0: Hey Rip City, this is Anthony Simons, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Holdall. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 55 of The Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall, and it has finally happened after a months of speculation. Trail Blazers honored Damian Lillard's trade request, at least mostly, by sending the 6-2 guard out of Weber State to Milwaukee, while we have a three-team trade that also saw Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson move to Phoenix. Brooke Oldstam and I will give more extensive farewells to those players on the next edition of the Blazers' Balcony in order to spend this edition of the Briefcase discussing the trade and the players and assets that Joe Cronin and his staff managed to acquire. So let's go ahead and talk some trade on this edition of the Briefcase. Well, first, to recap, as you're probably aware, the Trailblazers have acquired center DeAndre Ayton and forward Tumani Kamara from the Phoenix Suns in exchange for guard Keon Johnson, forward Nas Little, and center Yusuf Nurkic. Additionally, Portland acquired Drew Holiday, a 2029 first-round pick, and the right to swap first-round picks in 2028 and 2030 from the Milwaukee Bucks in exchange for guard Damian Lillard, who you well know. Milwaukee also sends Grayson Allen to Phoenix as a part of the deal as well. Let's go ahead and look at the Portland side of that trade, particularly the players coming back, the assets coming back, and get some first initial thoughts of how those players might fit in with Portland's current roster. First, DeAndre Ayton, who Portland has reportedly had interest in for some time now. You've heard rumors, you've seen speculation, they've tried to acquire DeAndre Ayton at different times, didn't ever work out before obviously the centerpiece of the trade from Portland's perspective in terms of getting value back. Ayton gives Treblers the young center selected with the first overall pick of the 2018 NBA draft. He holds career averages of 16.7 points, 10.4 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 0.7 steals, and 1.0 blocks in 30.6 minutes per game in 303 career games, 296 of those being starts in five seasons with the Phoenix Suns. For whatever reason, that relationship with Phoenix just didn't seem to work out with Aiton. You heard that there was strife. They've changed coaches. Even after that, it seems like, well, for whatever reason, they're deciding to go a different direction, which opens up the opportunity for Portland to bring in DeAndre Ayton, who did recently sign a max contract, under contract, I believe, for four more seasons, which, if you're Portland, particularly when you have a young core, that's a really good thing. So now you have a guy in DeAndre Aiton who you can pair up with guys like Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson, even guys like Jeremy Grant, in order to have an athletic, exciting rotation. I don't think we've seen a center like Aiton in Portland, boy, for some time now. they've They've had some good centers throughout the years. Nurk did some really great things for Portland, but Aiton, a completely different style of center from Yusuf Nurkic. Same thing, Robin Lopez before that, Aiton, a completely different style of center Not a stretched guy, not someone who's going to hit you with his outside shot, but a guy who's going to crash the glass, finish at the rim much better than any center we've had in Portland for some time now. And a guy who I think has a lot of significant upside still. A guy who, you know, at 25 in the league, particularly when you're with one team, you're the overall pick. You've got guys who ended up playing really well behind you. A reminder, that was a Luka Doncic draft. Those kind of things can sometimes dog a player when they don't end up reaching the same levels as guys who are drafted behind them. And for whatever reason, it just didn't seem like that pairing ever really was what they wanted it to be in Phoenix from Aiton's side and from the Suns' side. So Portland gets a player in Aiton who I think probably has quite a bit of room to grow, who is probably a bit undervalued and who fits their timeline much better than the players are sending out. Even if DeAndre Ayton doesn't become a better player than he is right now, that still makes him one of the best centers Portland's had in the last 20 years. And while the position ain't what it used to be, when you have a lot of young, athletic, exciting guards, it's nice to have someone down in the post who can keep defenses honest when they start to sell out on those guys on the perimeter, as we've seen time and time again in Portland throughout the years. Moving on, Portland also acquired rookie Tumani Kamara, who played his first two seasons at Georgia before transferring to play his final two college seasons at Dayton, where he averaged 13.9 points on 55% shooting from the field and 36% shooting from three, 8.6 rebounds, 1.7 assists, and 1.2 steals in his final season with the Flyers. At 6'8", 220 pounds, the Belgian native, who Portland worked out in the run-up to the 2023 NBA draft, gives the trailblazers a young player to slot into the rotation at either forward position. Again, with that kind of size shooting better than 50% from the field and better than 36% from three, very much a NBA three, four kind of guy that you're seeing more and more in today's league, some size, a big body, but someone who's still got quite a bit of athleticism. He's not like a plodding guy, a guy who gets out in transition just in general. The kind of players like Kamara are the kind of guys that Portland has needed for some time now. They need young, switchable wings who can play multiple positions, either forward position. And that's something they just haven't had a whole lot of lately. And that's really the direction the league is going. So to get Tumani, a guy who I know they feel good about, obviously when you bring someone for a pre-draft workout – I'm quite certain that they liked him in that workout, which I think probably was one of the reasons why he was put into this deal. You know, those are the kind of players that I think when you're starting, not from the ground up, Portland already has a pretty good start on this, but when you're putting together a team, I think Kamara is the kind of player that typically you want, at least the kind of young player that you want, a guy who you take a chance on because of his size, his athleticism, and his ability to shoot a bit from three. As for the Milwaukee side of the trade, Portland acquired Drew Holiday, one of the NBA's premier defensive guards, who is generally considered to be one of the most underrated players in the league. But at 33 years of age and in the last guaranteed year of his current deal, he does have a player option for the season after that. The assumption seems to be that Holiday will be traded for additional assets. You're already hearing speculations that multiple first-round picks and perhaps even a young, upcoming player could be a potential return. But as I've been telling you in this entire run-up to this trade, many, if not most of those kind of reports are not to be trusted. So adjust your expectations accordingly. I think you can make some assumptions about where the Trailblazers are at in their timeline and where Drew Holiday is at in his career timeline. Those assumptions are just taken as fact. Again, I think there's a lot of good reason to believe that. I would not at all be surprised if another trade is on the horizon at some point in time. But as of right now, Drew Holiday is a Portland Trailblazer. And if they do decide to keep him around, A guy who could definitely lend quite a bit of veteran leadership to what is a very young team, particularly a very young guard rotation under Chauncey Billups. I'm not saying that's the most likely scenario, but it is a scenario. And one that I don't think should be discounted all that quickly. And finally, we get to the picks. Portland also gets Milwaukee's unprotected first-round pick in 2029, and the right to swap first-round picks in 2028 and 2030, as in, if the Bucks have a better first-round pick in either of those years, the Trailblazers can choose to swap their position with Milwaukee. So while those aren't extra first-round picks, they are potentially better first-round picks. Obviously, those picks are quite a ways in the future. I think the thinking there is that at that time, the Bucks will not be the team that they are now. Hopefully, they'll be worse. And if they're worse, those picks could potentially be more valuable than they would be if they were next season or the season after that. I think when you have a combination of Giannis and Dame – I think you can pretty much assume that you are not going to be in the lottery unless something catastrophic happens. So getting those picks now probably wouldn't make a ton of sense for Portland. It does make quite a bit of sense later on. I also think that the Bucks actually owe their picks to other places anyway. So those might have been the first picks they could actually convey. Not entirely sure about that. It's hard enough keeping track of your own draft picks, let alone what other teams are doing with their draft picks. But long story short, Portland gets one pick guaranteed, the option to swap two more, and as just discussed, if they decide to execute another trade, an additional trade with the pieces acquired in this trade, one would assume that draft picks are a very likely return in a trade of that nature. I believe that Portland might have also gotten a trade exception in that deal as well. So basically, after hearing over and over and over again how no other teams had any offers, how it was a one-team market how you're just going to have to take what one team is going to offer you, Joe Cronin and his staff, sit tight, buy their time, take all the information in, and end up making a deal that I think is far better than what people assumed it was going to be a week ago, let alone a month ago. An object lesson in why it's important to not listen to outside noise when you're trying to make important decisions for your organization. A lesson in not making decisions based off of emotion not making decisions based off of timelines that aren't really all that important. Granted, I think Portland did want to get this done before training camp, but I also think that would have been okay taking in training camp if there wasn't a deal that materialized that they felt good about. Getting a guy like DeAndre Ayton, I think, makes them feel very good about what they got in this trade. Maybe not what they would have gotten if they would have been able to pull a trade off without there being a request, but still a very good return, even though you're never going to probably get equal value back for a player like Damian Lillard. That's just the way things go, particularly after that Go Bear trade. I think teams are really reluctant to burn through a ton of assets, even to bring in the best players in the league. And the changes in the most recent collective bargaining agreement make teams much more reluctant to take back money, particularly the kind of money that Damon Lillard is going to be making. So it's not like you had the entire league as your market, but you certainly had more than one team. I think towards the end of this thing, you started to hear more and more and more teams being interested. That's the way these things almost always seem to go, despite the fact that people ignoring that over and over and over again for their own reasons. As I noted the other day, no one knows a whole lot about these things until they actually happen. So anyone talking about these things with some kind of authority is usually shining you on. And That's the last thing I want to talk about on this edition of The Briefcase is just all of the idiocy around NBA transactions, people reporting around the league. I don't even want to say journalists really at this point because I don't really think that what is happening is necessarily journalism, but people who are reporting on this league – again, reporting, it's probably also a missed number – when it comes to trades especially – get things wrong all the time. This situation is a perfect example of that. I don't think a single person reported with any kind of real gusto that Damian Lillard might end up with Milwaukee. It was always kind of thrown out as maybe like a dark horse as like, well, it would make some sense, but never really really any intel about that actually happening. But you heard over and over and over again about how something else was definitely going to happen. Miami was definitely going to happen. It was always going to be there. That was not the case. Please remember that for the next time. When I told you recently on this podcast that none of the regular newsbreakers last week were really on the story, just locals carrying water rather than doing anything close to actual reporting, the reason why I said that is because that's the way it typically goes. So if you have national guys who are not jumping into a story, guys who always seem to break this kind of stuff, they're not the only ones who can, but when none of them have gotten involved in the reporting of stories like this, when otherwise they are always the first to have these things, that's how you can generally tell something is up. You can generally assume something is up anyways, but that's a way you can actually know it for sure. No one knows anything that someone doesn't want them to know. That's always important to remember. If someone is being told something, it's almost always coming from a place where they're trying to make a narrative, not so much from a place of honesty or truthfulness or actually trying to get the story right. And in that regard, the fiction and the fantasy that was written the day after Big Trades would make George R.R. Martin blush. I think we're seeing a lot of that today. If they didn't know how things were going to go before, why would you believe them now after they already got it wrong? Those are the kind of things that make no sense to me whatsoever. If you just didn't get it right, I'm now supposed to believe 12 hours later that you have it right this time. I do not understand that idea. Don't get suckered into it. So I will repeat, please remember this for next time. If you're getting spun up about things you're reading and concerned about the direction of the team and why would they do this based off of rumors that you're reading, just go ahead and figure out something else to do with with your time because those things are not real. They've been proven time and time and time again to very often, much more often than not, not actually be real. So don't bother yourself with it. It's not good for you. It's not good for your heart. It's not good for your soul spend that time doing something more productive than getting upset about something that is absolute fabrication. I do it as well. I'm probably going to do it again, just like you're going to do it again. But it'd be nice if we could take this lesson and actually apply it going forward, improving ourselves. I think that's important for us to improve ourselves during the offseason as well. And one way to do that would be to put these kind of rumors into the proper context, which is that generally they don't mean much of anything. Well, with that scolding out of the way, that's going to do it for this edition of the Briefcase. It's been a long couple days. been a long offseason. It's just about ready to end. Training camp starts on Monday with Media Day. We'll get a chance to hear from a lot of these new players, DeAndre Ayton, Tomari Kamara, maybe a few other guys before then as well. I'm guessing there's probably a few signings still left to be made. Should be fun. It's going to be different, obviously, this season. Obviously going to Miss Dame, Miss Nurk, Miss Nas, Miss Keon a great deal. All those guys, great dudes, great to work with. I wish them nothing but success in their new homes. But now it's time to focus on the new look Portland Trailblazers. And I think there's quite a bit of excitement to be had there. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting to know some of these new guys. Looking forward to seeing how this team comes together. Looking forward to see how Anthony and Shaden and Scoot and Jeremy and Matisse, and the rest of the team comes together, Jabari, really looking forward to training camp should be exciting. I'll be in Santa Barbara. Now's the time to subscribe. If you haven't already to both the briefcase and the Blazers balcony with Brooke Oles and dam, that's going to do it. Thank you for joining me. All the best to all of you. Take care.